to another episode of Lost Schoolers. I'm going to be talking a little quieter. There's some people in the room next to me, and I don't want to bother them just because these aren't soundproof walls. So I'm going to try and be a little quieter. But in this episode, we're actually going to be starting our discussion on business associations, also known as BA for short. And so that's how I'm going to reference into it in the future. It'll be called BA, BA in my mind. But in this episode, we're going to pretty much just give an introduction to the course, and specifically, we'll be giving an introduction to the different types of business forms, because that's what this is all about. It's business organizations and how, well, business associations, also known as business organizations, and how those organize and those businesses are organized. So there are six main types of business forms. We have a sole proprietorship, we have a partnership, we have a limited liability partnership, a limited partnership, corporations, and limited liability corporations. There are other business forms that we'll talk about, and I will also be talking about some of the key principles regarding um, business associations and how that is going to work as well just going forward and why those key principles are going to be important. So let's go ahead and just start with the first business form, sole proprietorships. A sole proprietorship is a business owned by a single person who has not submitted paperwork to establish a different legal form. In other words, when a single owner opens a business, the default is going to be a proprietorship. A consequence of being a sole proprietorship is that it is very, very easy to run, very simple. The owner has sole discretion about the management, but is not going to be restricted by any governing rules. There's no statutes about a sole proprietorship. Additionally, taxes are going to be really simple. The owner just needs to add the income made from the business to his or her personal taxes. There's no uh, business tax, business income tax, or anything like that. This is just going to be done by attaching a Schedule C to the Form 1040. The main downside, though, of a proprietorship is that the owner is going to be directly liable for any and all business expenses. For instance, if, so to speak, Joe is an electrician and purchases tools to use in the business, those tools are going to be owned by Joe. If the business is sued, Joe might not only lose his tools that he uses as the business, but also his other personal assets, such as a car or a house, which those may also be at risk. Because the business and the business owner are essentially the same, the legal name of the business will be the name of the owner. For example, John H. Doe. However, there are going to be many times when businesses want to give their business a name. These are going to be called DBAs, also known as doing business as. This simply means that if they wish their business to be called something other than their legal name, then uh, they can establish a DBA. Any documents still signed by the business, though, is going to have to include the legal name of the business, which is going to be the owner's name. So that's the sole proprietorship. A partnership is also known as a general partnership. This form of business is going to be created when two or more owners establish a for-profit business with no legal form, no other legal form. In other words, it's just going to be a multi-owner form of proprietorship. That is its oversimplification, but there you have it. However, because there is a partnership, there are going to be additional rules governing the partnership. Each state has adopted rules set for partnership statutes. Many 
uh, states have adopted either the Uniform Partnership Act, also known as the UPA, or the Revised Uniform Partnership Act, also known as the RUPA or RUPA. Although many states have adopted these standards, they are free to adjust them as they will. So if you're going to consult the statutes, make sure that you consult the statutes of the state and not just RUPA or UPA. But partnerships have a partnership agreement. This is going to be the main governing document of the partnership. It's a contract, usually written, but it can be oral between the partners, and it's where they get to decide who contributes what to the partnership. Also sets of the management structure of the company, and there are four main ways that the management structure can be set up. The first way is that the partners select a managing partner who makes all the business decisions. External decisions would still be made by the partner body, uh, not just the managing partners. Uh, second, there's a committee of partners who can make the decisions. Third, each partner has an equal say in how the business is run. Or fourth, each partner has a vote that is equal to the percentage that they contribute to the partnership. By default, according to RUPA, it says that each partner has an equal say, so that third option that I read out. The default rule, though, can be revised by the partnership agreement, saying whether you do it by proportionality or a managing partner or a committee of partners. A major risk of a partnership is that the personal assets of each partner can still be reached in order to satisfy a debt. In other words, just like a proprietorship, there's going to be no liability protection for any individual partner. As far as taxes go, the partnership is going to be generally taxed under the subchapter K or sub K. Although partners can partnership can opt for a subchapter C or S in the partnership agreement, although I mean if it were me, I would just kind of stick with the subchapter K anyways. Usually this means that there's going to be no requirement to pay federal income tax. Instead, each partner evaluates their share and their losses and attaches a Schedule E to Form 1040 within their personal taxes. This is called pass-through taxation. The process, sorry, the partnership is still required to file Form 1065. The whole point of this is just provide the IRS with information about the business growth. A limited liability partnership is formed by filing a statement of qualification within the Secretary of State Office. LLPs are essentially identical to partnerships, but they have one key difference. LLPs provide more protection to the partners. The partnership agreement, management structure, and taxation methods are still going to be the same for both partnerships and LLPs. Additionally, governing law is going to be essentially the same. It's just like a subchapter within the partnership agreement. The main difference then is going to be, as far as governing laws go, is that they added a provision to allow LLPs to actually exist. But as I mentioned, the biggest difference between an LLP and a partnership is going to be the liability of the partners. In a partnership, the partner's liability is unlimited, meaning they can be liable for any and all actions. In an LLP, the partners are afforded full liability protection except for in Louisiana and South Carolina, where they only afford a partial liability protection. But this just means that the assets of the partners are going to be protected from the misconduct of other partners or judgment against the business. 
Note, you are still going to be liable for your own actions, though, so don't do bad things. Limited partnerships, though. We can think of a limited partnership as both the combination of a general partnership and an LLP. What I mean by this is that there are two different types of partners in an LP, a limited partnership. General partners and limited partners. General partners have all the management power, but they're also going to be personally liable for business decisions. Limited partners have no management part power, but they do have liability protection. An LP is created by filing a certificate of limited partnership with the sec Secretary of State. Each LP is going to be governed by the state's limited, limited partnership statutes. There are different limited partnership statutes, uh, different from the uh, partnership statutes. That's important to know. Uh, they do often mimic the United, sorry, the Uniform Limited Partnership Act or the ULPA. The form of the limited partnership, in the sense of general partners being afforded no liability, can be manipulated pretty easily, and this is because a general partner can be an entity or another form of business. So. You can have a general partner be an LLC, which is afforded a liability shield, and then essentially both the general partners and the limited liability partners, uh, sorry, the limited partners are going to have that liability shield. And you see these a lot of the time in hedge funds. So corporations, the structure of a corporation is going to be created by filing articles of incorporation with the Secretary of State. These are also known quite often as the charter. The owners of a corporation are called shareholders. These shareholders then elect a board of directors who then have the managing authority of the business, which often means that they're going to appoint officers who do the everyday business work of the business. To establish the structure, the corporation has those that charter or that, those articles of incorporation and the bylaws. The charter is going to outline the company's name, the type of stock, uh, whether it's preferred, preferred or common, which we'll get into several episodes down the line, uh, rights of stock, and the office of the registered agent within the state of incorporation. The bylaws are going to function similar to the partnership agreement, where you are just agreeing how things are going to be run by the business. It is, it's going to outline the rules, the mini requirements for votes, qualifications to vote, how to appoint officers, how to remove officers, and so on and so forth. A shareholder is going to have limited liability. In all states, this is going to be a full limited, fully protected except for their own actions or wrongdoing. So if a corporation fails, the shareholder will lose what they had personally invested in the company, but they are not going to lose their personal assets. As far as governance goes, each state has passed laws governing corporations. Uh, most states are going to utilize the Model Business Corporation Act, uh, also known as the MBCA. But there are a few states that don't utilize the MBCA. In fact, there are actually 18. Uh, and some of these states are very important to corporations such as Delaware, where more than 50% of all publicly traded corporations are filed in Delaware. And this is because Delaware offers good incentives, good protections, and a lot of state, 
the stability. A lot of corporations just want to be a Delaware corporation. So it's always, again, important to check the statutes within the state, but also note that these statutes may have default rules that can be amended by the uh, charter and bylaws, just as they can be with the uh, limited liability partnerships. Taxation, you may have heard of two different types of corporations, whether they're C-Corps or S-Corps. This does not have anything to do about whether or not they're a corporation. They are both corporations. It's just a matter of how they are taxed. Uh, C-Corps often are get what's called double taxation. That means they're taxed when they first uh, do all their income. Everything comes in. They're, they're taxed as a separate entity. And then once you distribute everything, your profits, your losses, send that out to your shareholders, well, then that's going to be taxed again. So it often gets called double taxation. S-Corps don't have double taxation, but they're a lot harder to qualify as an S-Corp. And S-Corps also have that pass-through taxation that is kind of similar to uh, sub-K uh, taxation as well. So limited liability companies, note that these are companies, not corporations, LLCs, are going to be created by submitting articles of organization. Owners of LLCs are going to be called members, not shareholders, uh, not owners. They're going to be called members. And there's two types of management systems of these members. There's either member management or you've got manager management. Member management works the same way as a partnership. Uh, this could be uh, where uh, it, it's a more uh, decentralized form of management where everybody has a say in what goes on in the business. Or you can have the manager management, which is more centralized, where you have, so to speak, a board of directors. Uh, but it's not a board of directors because this is an LLC, not a corporation. Uh, but it can opt for either way. The default is that it's going to be a member management method, uh, at least um, by most uh, state law statutes. If the LLC has more than one member, because you can have a one-member LLC, well, then the IRS, IRS, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, the IRS is going to treat the LLC as a partnership. Uh, that is, they are going to be taxed under subchapter K. If the LLC has more than one member, it is going to be taxed, sorry, it has only one member, it's going to be taxed the same as a sole proprietorship. But it's not a sole proprietorship, but the income taxes are going to be filed by doing that same Schedule C on your 1040 uh, on your individual tax returns. So that's the main forms of business. There are several other business forms, and there's a whole lot of history on how all these business forms came. Ultimately, there are complications, and to get around these complications, you create a new business. But there are eight other different types of business forms that I will just briefly, briefly go over. You've got professional entities. So these are going to be like law offices or medic medicine. Typically, you see the abbreviation PC or professional corporation. 
Um, but this can include professional limited liability partnerships, professional limited liability companies, and professional corporations. You have to be a licensed professional to actually have this type of entity. You've got close corporations, which are different from closely held corporations. Uh, there are very few of these. They're just small corporations, but very many, well, very few of them actually take, uh, choose this option if they're given, if they're eligible for it. You've got nonprofit corporations, pretty self-explanatory. You've got benefit corporations, which are kind of similar to uh, nonprofit, but they're corporations where they not only consider the welfare of the shareholders, they also consider the welfare of the public. You've got benefit limited liability companies, which are the same thing as a benefit corporation or a B Corp, uh, except that it's organized as a limited liability company. There's not very many states who have on benefit limited liability companies. I think there's only two right now, but don't quote me on that. You've got low profit limited liability companies, and the goal of these are not to gain a profit, but to pursue a social benefit. Again, kind of sounds similar to a benefit corporation. You've got a business trust, which are just managed by trustees, and then joint ventures, which is technically not a business type, but it's when multiple entities combine their resources to explore a business opportunity together. Okay, so those are the different types of business. Let's talk about some key principles that are going to be essential for continued development within uh, this semester's work, work of course material. There's three main principles. We got the internal affairs doctrine, we got default versus mandatory rules, and private versus public companies. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. The internal affairs doctrine just simply states that the law governing the entity is going to be where the entity is incorporated. So if the parties, so to speak, in my example, live in Iowa, but they are incorporated in Delaware, well then Delaware is going to be the law that is going to govern. But it's very important to note that this only applies to the internal affairs of the corporation. So it's not apply when determining which law to use for contract or for torts or any other type of malpractice. So. If there's a breach of fiduciary duty within the company, that's internal affairs of the company, you're going to be doing it based off of the where the company is incorporated or at least has its organized documents filed. Default versus mandatory rules. Most of the rules within RUPA or the MBCA, they're going to be default. And what that mean, means is that they're going to be binding rules unless the entity or the business ends up changing those rules themselves. There are only going to be a few rules that can't be altered, and these are going to be called mandatory rules. Underneath RUPA, the only mandatory rules are going to be found in section 103b. So there's not very many mandatory rules, most everything is going to be default, and this plays a role in how the shareholders and the min minority holders feel about the rules. For example, default rules are generally going to favor the majority shareholders, and so if minority shareholders want to have more say uh, and their only leverage is whether or not they're going to buy those shares, well, then there's going to have to be some attempts to alter those default rules within uh, the agreements within the company or corporation. And then the final principle is going to be private versus public companies. The main difference between a private and a public company is that public companies have their shares traded 
as a stock on a public exchange market. The benefits of doing this is that companies, sorry, is that it means that the stock assets can become much more liquid, much more quicker. The majority of public companies are going to be large, but there are a few large private companies as well. Uh, just not nearly as many private companies as there are uh, large public companies. A large consequence of a public company, though, is that there are going to be lots of owners. Uh, each stockholder ultimately is a owner of a small piece of the company. Typically, private companies have fewer owners that own a larger share of the company, but once again, it is harder to trade those shares as well. So, lots and lots of information related to the opening of this course, talking about the different business forms. Just quickly, we've got several business forms, sole proprietorship, partnerships, limited liability partnerships, limited partnerships, corporations, limited liability companies, and then we have several other forms that we did not talk very much about as well. There are eight listed there, and then we talked about three principles, specifically the internal affairs doctrine, default and mandatory rules, and private and public companies. That's all. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials. And the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.